our society will never be great until our cities are great. So said President Johnson in his message on American cities. Greatness is not the same as bigness. To be great, a city must be an enjoyable place in which to live as well as work. A place where urban activities can flourish, bringing pleasure and pride to all its citizens. Hello, and welcome to the Honor Roll Podcast. I'm Sunshine DeCastro, your host. Today I'm joined with group members from the most amazing class ever, Honors 103. Does everybody want to introduce themselves? Yeah, um, my name is Juan, and my major is computer science. And my name is Alexi, my major is forensic behavioral science and psychology. I'm Jonathan, and I'm majoring in accounting. And my name is Julie, and I'm majoring in business management. So, we have gathered you all here today in order to uh, present on our final project for this class. We're doing a narrative on revitalization efforts in downtown Fresno and Tower, the Tower District area. So does anybody want to give any more words on kind of the structure of what we're doing, how we gathered our narratives? Yeah, so... For our big question that really inspired this uh, narrative was that we wanted to figure out kind of what were the different aspects that make Fresno Fresno and why is the, mo- the, fifth, the fifth most populous city not as popular or um, energetic as other urban centers of other cities. So downtown San Francisco and downtown LA. So I want to start off by introducing uh, the Tower District area. So the history of the area is that it's a very diverse, LGBT-friendly area with lots of nightlife. It's home to the titular Tower Theater and other entertainment venues and events uh, like the Rogue Festival, Art Hop, Real Pride Film Festival, and an annual Pride Parade. In the 1930s, it's known as a walkable urban district or a streetcar suburb, so that means that There are houses um, and neighborhoods around a commercial area where people can walk from their houses to these commercial regions and um, consume product. In the 1950s, the area really started to begin to decay in terms of maintenance and urban development, and a movement began in the 1970s to protect the character and the culture of the area. The 1991 specific plan was introduced to help ensure the preservation of the area. But presently, it's not a very wealthy area. It is landscaped and walkable, and it's home to many local businesses, theaters, coffee shops, bars, and restaurants. Tower Theater was actually Fresno's first suburban cinema, and now Tower District is a combination of residential and commercial areas. Heather Parrish describes it best as to how it became such an artsy and LGBT-friendly area. Tower Theater is an emblem. That's exactly the right word for it. Um, At the beginning of the um, development of the Tower District, it was the anchor. Um, It takes up a full square block along with its retail spaces. And it started first attracting uh, different and interesting performances starting around 1990. Before Mm. that, it was a cinema. Mm. And it was the anchor of this retail neighborhood that was both a mixed-use neighborhood Mm. from about 1939 
throughout the 80s. And um, so it started out as a regular cinema mm -hmm. and then became kind of a cult cinema. Yes, mm -hmm. doing a lot of offbeat stuff, Rocky Horror, mm -hmm. that sort of thing in the 80s. And then in the 90s, it was transformed into a performing arts space. So it's always been this anchor space that really set the vibe for the neighborhood. That it was mm -hmm. very performing arts, very free thinking, mm -hmm. um, really forward moving in terms of different types of things that you could see and do there. Mm -hmm. And that's how it became a nightlife district. Mm -hmm. So it's really the anchor. During my research, I was having a hard time uh, finding like how exactly Tower District became like a queer space. <laughs> like that's not necessarily in written record in my opinion. No, it's not. Um, but luckily I have a little bit of understanding about that. Mm -hmm. My husband, Jaguar Bennett, who's also involved in, in this, mm -hmm. um, his father in the late 60s started a cafe Mm. called the Café Midi. It's, okay. it's very famous among the older set. Mm. Before the Café Midi came along, it was just sort of a nice, pleasant neighborhood. Families growing up there, shops along the, the, the Olive Avenue. Mm -hmm. But he put in the first espresso bar. He hosted poetry nights. Mm. And that was where all of the professors and artists used to gather all of a sudden. He was really good at attracting intellectual types, artist types, and they would gather there and have their little coffee house experience, right? Mm -hmm. Well, because of that, a lot of queer people started feeling safer mm -hmm. in these areas because of the forward-thinking aspects of it. Mm -hmm. And that eventually became the punk scene in the 70s and 80s, mm -hmm. which was very you-do-you. You. Mm -hmm. um, and by that time, it became a performing arts center. Roger Rockas had moved in, um, lots of theater was happening in the area, it was a music scene, mm -hmm. and these types of scenes tend to be uh, more welcoming and more affirming to people with different identities in mm -hmm. general. Mm -hmm. So it evolved over several decades, but starting by the 90s, it was very much a queer scene. And in the present moment, there is an ongoing escrow and potential sale of the Tower Theater to Adventure Church, which is a religious organization that is not notorious for its open and affirming culture. Residents are displeased by the sale as it jeopardizes the very identity of this region. Miguel Gaslam, the leader of the Fools Collaborative, divulges information about how the sale can really jeopardize the identity of the region. And Heather Parrish also comments. The issue with the sale, obviously it's a private sale, mm -hmm. um, but the if the theater is sold to the church that would that would trigger a rezone which has been the whole purpose of the demonstrations mm -hmm. is to fight against the rezone um, the tower district specific plan uh, blatantly states that the theater is not to be used like regularly mm. whether it's by someone like a church or like the boy scouts or like aa or whatever it's mm -hmm. not meant for that it's meant mm -hmm. to host various things it's meant to be a true performing arts center that's how mm -hmm. it was how the plan was drafted and so that is what the building is, is zoned as is a theater that permits any um you know gathering of any group larger oh, i forgot what the number was but it, it doesn't allow for that mm. um so uh basically we're we're fighting to have the city enforce the zoning laws the church shouldn't even be meeting in there now mm -hmm. um, mm. regularly so um, but the city's kind of stopped enforcing the zoning laws because mm -hmm. um, they're kind of waiting to see what happens with the current lawsuit that's going on with sequoia brewing company 
Yeah, so like I mentioned earlier, Tower District is kind of a cultural and like nightlife hub. Um, so there's a lot of bars uh, around the area. There's a lot of clubs around the area. And when there's a church in the center of that district, which all of the businesses are within a thousand feet of the Tower Theater, that basically would put the liquor licenses in jeopardy. It also means that nightlife businesses like clubs are not going to be as attracted to the Tower District mm -hmm. anymore. And most of those businesses are local. Mo all of those businesses mm -hmm. are local. Several mm -hmm. of them are queer-owned and mm -hmm. are queer spaces. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden we have this business uncertainty that also calls into question the culture mm -hmm. that that building is an emblem of. Mm -hmm. um, so our job is to keep that in public awareness and to put pressure on the city to enforce the zoning mm -hmm. or to take action to preserve the businesses and the economy and the culture of the area. Cool. Okay, so Sunny kind of covered a more uh, particular area of downtown Fresno, and now we're gonna move into the broader general area that we know is downtown Fresno. And so back in the day, it used to be the main urban center um, where all Fresnans would go for uh, business, for uh, government affairs and shopping. And then it really began to have a steady decline in the 1950s due to the suburban sprawl. Today, many of our cities do not fulfill their proper function. They are no longer enjoyable places to live and work in. Instead, they have become unsafe, unhealthy, and often ugly. As a result, people flee from the cities into suburbia. This creates new problems for the metropolitan regions, where unplanned growth destroys natural beauty, and where the bulldozer is fast becoming king of the mountain. And so today, I got to talk to a local business owner who owns a small IT consulting firm. Jay shares his experiences growing up and doing business in downtown Fresno. He briefly talks about the stigma of downtown Fresno and kind of later explains why projects like the Fulton Street Pedestrian Scramble never really succeeded in gaining its intended foot traffic. And with his narrative, we get to hear more about some of the key factors and business decisions that people are really dealing with when it comes to revitalizing the area again. While suburbs spread, distances to the city center increase and the center withers. Physical and economic deterioration set in. The remaining residents are those who, for economic, racial, or ethnic reasons, are unable to move to suburbia. Assessed valuation drops, and the city's tax income shrinks at the very moment when budgets are skyrocketing. For years, downtown had this reputation of being dangerous, but it had the lowest crime rate in all of Fresno because there was nobody there to rob. <laughs> so it was, you know, it was like, where did this reputation came from come from? And it just was, it was dark. There were there weren't very the lighting wasn't very good. There weren't very many people, so there weren't a whole lot of eyes on the street. Mm -hmm. You know, when, mm -hmm. when there are more people around, we feel safer. I see. Right? They, you know, you feel like, okay, well, if somebody sees me getting murdered. At least, you know, they'll call for help, maybe. Yeah. You know, that may or may not be reality, but that that plays into our sense of well-being. When, mm -hmm. when there's nobody, you know, visible. Yeah. I mean, you don't. You can't see anybody. You know, you feel all alone, and then you're surrounded by these 
big buildings and dark buildings. It's just, you know, very yeah. scary. Um, so that prevented people from going downtown. And, and if there's, it was this chicken and the egg scenario. So if nobody's downtown, why would business come in to serve all the people that aren't there? True. Right. Mm -hmm. And then if there's no business there, why would anybody go down there? Yeah. Right. So Linking the civic center, a new convention center and the business core into one continuous pedestrian environment. Within the central area, the core was planned in careful detail. The aim, revitalization, with a minimum of demolition, blending the old with the new. Within the 80-acre core are Fresno's major business and retail enterprises. But with local and through traffic flowing in from all sides, downtown streets were congested, parking was inadequate, and pedestrians were endangered. The solution? Separate cars and pedestrians for the benefit of both. A one-way inner loop collects and distributes the incoming traffic. Ample parking facilities are provided adjoining the loop. Streets inside the loop are converted into areas reserved for pedestrians only. You know, when Fulton reopened, that was just, um, that was a long time coming. It shouldn't have been closed down in the first place. It really shouldn't have been like- Well, why was it closed down? Well, at the time, there was this movement toward, you know, making outdoor spaces pedestrian friendly. Uh -huh. And um, it was just, it was this kind of, again, it's another one of these false prophets. Like, like unfinished, it, like. It was, no, you, you saw it, you, you saw it have some success uh -huh. in a couple of areas, like the, the uh, Santa Monica Promenade um, is, is an example of a great, um project where they closed down the street and put a pedestrian mall in so that people uh, could walk to these stores but that's Santa Monica man uh -huh. again like you have to know your strengths and play into your strengths like it is freaking hot in July in Fresno you're not gonna this is not a pleasant experience walking mm -hmm. you know to the stores and and the storefronts weren't really designed to serve pedestrian traffic quite like that. It was, mm. it was designed as a main thoroughfare, a main downtown artery. Mm -hmm. And so what happens in the body when you close a main artery? Like you can't get any blood to your brain. Well, from a, from a traffic standpoint, that's exactly what happened with downtown. We closed off the main artery and we couldn't get any blood to the, blood to the body. So let's review some previous initiatives to revitalize Fresno that have been unsuccessful. So in 2014, developers Terrence Fraser and Mehmet Noyan had visions to create a four-story building on Fulton Street that would be a combination of affordable housing and a retail center. After numerous agreements and requests for funding, costs were estimated to be $18 million, which was $4 million more than what they had previously predicted. And they even had to request more for funding from the state. In 2019, a 10-month extension was filed and the onset of the pandemic further postponed construction plans, so has yet to come to fruition. Another failed initiative is the Bastion Court project. So in 2007, Mission Housing Development Corporation teamed up with Cornerstone Church to construct a housing apartment for low-income residents. So Mission Housing would buy the land from Cornerstone, 
construct a complex, and then Cornerstone would provide services and assistance to its residents. Construction would begin in 2008 and last until the middle of 2010. The majority of funding would be from local and federal grants and awards, and the remainder would be from personal funding. Now, they did actually receive the over $3 million from these grants, yet their personal funding actually fell through, construction was halted, and they even had to give the city their land as collateral for construction costs and legal fees. And one last failed initiative is the infamous high-speed rail. So this was a pro project proposed and approved in 2008 that would connect San Francisco to LA and possibly expand as far south and north as San Diego and Sacramento. The High-Speed Rail Authority stated that it would contribute to economic development and a cleaner environment, create jobs, and preserve agricultural and protected lands. Now, Fresno believed that it would bring an economic boom to desperately poor residents of southwest Fresno, and the neighborhood would find itself flush with businesses, jobs, and prosperity that for decades have eluded it. Now, after years of planning, construction finally began in 2015 to be completed by 2025, yet this was moved to 2030 due to issues over acquiring land. Now, they've had to hire workers, then lay them off until new land was acquired. Costs have already totaled to around $8.7 and they're nowhere near completion, so it might be quite some time until this project is fully completed. Damn, Fresno. We really <laughs> kind of sucks. Had yeah, yeah, we had it, almost had it all. You know, we're in this breadbasket region of California, and there's all these things that we wanted to do or have done and it didn't really it didn't really stick so like why is that you know yeah and I mean I think the high speed rail specifically is such an eyesore now because every single time you drive on the 99 you'll see it and it's mm -hmm. just like a half finished like abandoned Rusted project like project and mm -hmm. it gave a lot of people hope because Fresno was started it was a settlement that was started because of like or not because of, but it became really popular and a lot of people came here because there was the railroad. And I think but, people yeah. are still holding on to hope that it might get finished. Like they're thinking about, you know, like with the completion of this project, I can live in Fresno where real estate is way cheaper than in San Francisco or LA and still have jobs in San Francisco and LA because there's just more opportunity. So it's almost like a it wants to we want to become like a home base. Yeah, and I definitely think it would help keep people in Fresno because I feel like a lot of the like scholars are from Fresno, but then they leave Fresno, and so we're mm -hmm. left of like mm -hmm. with you know not the best. We're just exporting exactly. our goods. Yeah, why is it worth staying? Especially with Fulton Mall. I mean. There, we're inserting a, a few snippets from a documentary that was made in 1968. Um, and a lot of people were really excited about the project when it was first built. And that is going to life-changing, you know. Now it just collects just, just dust. Just <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's odd. It really is odd. Over the past decade, we've seen a revival of small businesses. With the overwhelming presence of large corporations and business giants having raised numerous concerns in the past. A major is that big businesses threaten the security of local business owners and the authenticity of small communities. In recent years, communities have come together to empower small business owners in initiatives such as Small Business Saturday to combat the corporate chokehold of Black Friday. 
Small businesses are a vital presence in the downtown areas of many cities, providing a unique consumer experience that can't really be easily replaced, which is why the small businesses of downtown Fresno play an essential role in the revitalization of Fresno. Ian Cookson, the chef and co-owner of Lila Balula, and his longtime girlfriend and co-owner, Kim Sarabia, opened the door to the restaurant in March of 2019. They have since rallied in crowds to their hole-in-the-wall restaurant, and they have had such success, such success that they are now opening a second location in Tower District, as well as a bakery neighboring the Crest Theater. I had the privilege of inter interviewing these small business owners, and here's what they had to say. I'm Kimberly Sarabia, and I am the co-owner of Lee Lula Restaurant in downtown Fresno. Ian Cookson, I'm the chef owner of Lee Lula downtown Fresno. Why did you guys choose downtown? We didn't really consider very many other places because we wanted to be downtown. Kim and I both have fond memories of being in downtown, and we wanted, one of the reasons was so we can prove to people that you can come downtown and be successful and run a, you know, a thriving business and not, there's so many negative connotations of downtown and what people think of it. And, you know, a good portion of people in Fresno don't even come down here. And there's a lot of people they, who've never even been to downtown and they've lived in Fresno their entire lives and they're adults already in their forties and fifties and they've never even been here until they came to our restaurant. But that was part of why we said we wanted a restaurant in downtown because we said there has to be a draw for downtown because it was it was outdated for what people wanted. And we wanted to show people that it could be successful in downtown. How do you think the location of your restaurant has affected its course? Do you think that if you were located in say River Park instead of downtown that it would have been different? It'd be completely different. Oh, we probably would have been closed by now. Yeah, we, we do a style of food that isn't for everybody and probably benefit for the fact that people have to come to us instead of us just being there. The culture of Fresno, and unfortunately, North Fresno doesn't have culture like downtown Fresno has. Like, you don't, you don't ever hear of anybody going to North Fresno and, like, driving around to look at stuff. You know, don't even have to get out and buy anything, just to drive around and look around. You could come downtown, and even if you didn't want to get out of your car, you could actually drive around and see some interesting stuff. And if you did, you know, you're more likely to get out if you see something interesting. You know, if it's architecture, like Kim was saying, the artwork, the murals, all that stuff, they don't offer over there because that's not, you know, there's no culture over there. It was perfect for us to go in downtown where a lot of people don't fit in. <laughs> A lot of stuff doesn't fit in here because it's all old and outdated, but it has history. And we came and we wanted to be a tiny hole in the wall restaurant and that's what we intended to do. And it worked for us. Not <laughs> not everybody, I guess, could say that something like that worked for them, but we were happy to be shoved into a corner of downtown that we were able to make our own. Do you guys think that you would ever relocate? For, for this business as it is, Libe Lula, no. I only, we would not move out of downtown. Uh, Space-wise, it's a possibility just to gain more space, but you know, as, as the restaurant stands now, we wouldn't really wanna be anywhere else. 
you know, we're comfortable here. We like the people that are here. We like our customer base. We like the space. We like the character that it has, and you know, the all the weird little things that we've come to love about the place that we were really unsure of first we first got here didn't know if things were going to work out but it was a lot of the things that we thought were going to be negative ended up being positive these businesses that are opening and they have been so far are smaller and you know family run or at least local businesses that are down here you know once you start throwing in uh major corporations and and things like that and then then we run the risk of doing things like that where it's going to end up being too expensive for the people that already live down here to live down here not to mention the fact that anybody who would want to live down here or the people who are already struggling to to live here in general you know once all those places come in here or or these buildings start getting bought up by major you know, probably billion dollar companies and they're going to turn them into these fancy, you know, cookie cutter condos, then, you know, the little guy's going to get pushed out. And that's what we don't want. You know, we came down here to not, not necessarily to change anything, but to be a part of it. We didn't want to make a change. And I think that was one of those things that when we came down here, people said that we made things different, that we made a change, that we had a really big effect on downtown. We've had multiple people come up to us and say that, you know, if it wasn't for a place like us, that there wouldn't be as much happening in downtown because we proved to people that if you give people a reason to come, people will show up. And I think that that was something that somebody needed to do. We've always told people, we always said a business would do well in downtown. We just didn't have the means to do it. And then we finally got the opportunity and we said, well, if we can do it, let's do it. Put your, what's the saying? Put your money where your mouth is or whatever the saying is. It's like, yeah, we're going to put our money in and we're going to try to open this business. And as far as people saying, uh, you know, the talk about gentrification, uh, gentrification is real. It's happening everywhere. And like I said, when we came down here, we weren't trying to change anything. We just wanted to show people that things can work out here, that you can be a tiny hole in the wall restaurant who doesn't need a ton of money, who doesn't need to go with whatever is popular right now, that doesn't need to look like every other restaurant in the area or serve the same food as every other restaurant in the area it's we just wanted to do something different and show people that you can be different and it still works here because for some reason things just haven't worked here for certain businesses although there's businesses that have been here for years and i hope that they still stay here for years to come unfortunately with the way that society works now unfortunately things do get more expensive and people do get pushed out of areas and i i don't have an answer for that because it's not something that we can solve ourselves but as far as feeling like that downtown is being gentrified i don't feel that that's the case i feel that there is a lot of people coming into downtown that look different than what everybody used to look like that came into downtown.
Now it's a younger group of people. It's not the older demographic that used to come to downtown. And now the demographic that's opening businesses in downtown is young people. It is people under 40, under 30 that are opening businesses here who are making the businesses that are drawing more people down here that are drawing more businesses down here because when one person sees the success of a business it brings others we've had multiple people come to us and ask us about how we open the restaurant and ask us about our business because they're interested in opening businesses down here as well because they see oh downtown is a place where things are happening and we don't feel like people are trying to do anything negative in trying to bring business to downtown. Uh, like I said, there's no answer for it. Living in a metropolitan area, I guess, with tall buildings and skyscraper style buildings, like I said, it's, they're meant more for a certain type of family size. Um, even though there is housing and other types of um, housing in the area, there's just not that much in this specific area where we're located. They're basically just trying to show people what had already, what had been forgotten. I think that, yeah, I think that that's a good way of explaining it because everything was already here. It's like, you know, when they reopened Fulton Street and moved around the fountains and all the artwork, you know, people started to see it who'd never seen it before because they started to finally drive in downtown. Like when they did the reopening of Fulton Street, it was a huge party. It was so much energy. The whole, the whole street was full of people. It was crazy to see how many people came out to downtown Fresno. And I remember that that night when we saw it, we were like, we know that this is what downtown can be like all the time. Well, I mean, not all the time, but you know, to have events like that regularly in Fresno. But for some reason, the our town doesn't think so highly of itself but every town has good and bad. It's just, you have to try to make the best of it and try to make your town better. If you don't do it, then who's going to? Homeless issue is bigger than anybody in city council, city government actually realizes it is. You know, it's not, it's not one of those things where they're just like, oh, we'll do this and it'll be gone. There's not one it's simple never, answer. It's never gonna be gone because, you know, there's so many, different reasons that people are displaced from their home because of whatever happened to them. Now they're living on the street. They come by, ask for a glass of water or something like that. Sure, I'll give you water. You know, you need, they ask for food, I'll give you food. It's like, and then you have the other people who are blatantly on drugs and this, you know, whichever it may be, alcohol, whatever. But you know what, if they come in and ask me for the same thing, I'm going to give them, I'm going to give it to them too. You know, it's just, it's, it's nice to be able to be able to be in a position to be able to help somebody like that. And it's not a downtown problem. It's a Fresno problem. When, when people talk about other businesses opening up near us, like the Hotel Fresno opening back up and they're gonna have retail space, that they're gonna have space for restaurants. It's like, that's great. Yeah, they're gonna be right across the street from us. But to us, that's not competition because that's what we want. We want other businesses to open down here because there's plenty of people for everyone. We're not competing with one another. We're supposed to be helping one another succeed. It's like, if you want everyone, if you want to do well, you have to care about everybody else to do well as well. Because if not, 
if you don't have other businesses around you to draw crowds, then what what do you have? Nothing. You don't have anything to pull you to pull you people. You don't have anything to draw a new audience. It's something that I think a lot of businesses don't understand is that not everybody's in competition with them. So shifting gears to another area of downtown Fresno, I got to talk to the buyer of Yoshinao, a um, amazing mom and pop thrift store, consignment store. And she essentially ran us through the growth of Yoshinao from when it first started on the outskirts of downtown to eventually playing a crucial role in um, downtown Fresno's landscape. The store is most known for its bright, eye-catching murals, and over the years, it's truly become a gem that not only strives to attract young and old, eclectic vintage lovers to its vibrant atmosphere, but it also houses cherished items that are coming from Fresno locals. As soon as you enter, you're face-to-face -face with anything from um, antique Japanese puppets, um, French Rococo heels, Victorian lace-up boots, 50s A-line silhouettes, 60s mod styles, and so much more. And Yoshi Now is particularly um, special because it carefully curates a selection that allows the community to have a little sneak peek into the cultural diversity that resides within Fresno. With the booming popularity of thrifting within the last few years, we've witnessed a few key observations. There's been more awareness and value being placed on sustainability, sourcing, and DIY with mainly Gen Z slash uh, Zennials being major drivers of this phenomenon. Um, the popularity of thrifting has not only expanded this generation as a market to target by bus big businesses, but it's also led to the rise of many subcultures in fashion, all of which subscribe to the idea that there's a story behind every garment and it's important to maintain the integrity of the garment, whether you're styling an outfit or upcycling it. What this whole movement means for the area is that these small businesses such as Yoshinao are really breathing life into small towns like Fresno because it provides some insight into the history, the cultural trends in the area, and it also shows just how much is in our area. So we have a lot of historical societies that have a very strong presence and we have an annual Ren Fair and Civil War reenactment fair. And we get to see what kind of people live here back then and now. These kinds of secondhand um, vintage and antique businesses are most notable because it attracts the younger demographics into areas that they wouldn't normally explore. And it allows like a, cultiv a cultivation of an environment that's unique only to Fresno because the vintage experience isn't something that's so easily replicated. And when we talked to Rio, um, she spoke a bit more about the role of community support and how community members were a huge part of Yoshinao surviving the pandemic. Before I left, Rio got to elaborate onto how social media presents a major opportunity to businesses in Tower and downtown Fresno. As more and more starts up opening up again, it's crucial for small businesses to create their own unique brand image, their own personal story, and an overall inclusive message to nurture optimism um, and have like a welcoming environment in the area. And this is especially important during the pandemic. If business owners start combining this marketing strategy with frequent consumer engagement and just simply continue being authentic, um, then there's a lot of potential to harness within the coming years. 
lot of support by the community. It really started off as, as word of mouth. Um, the beginning couple of years, or the first couple of years were slower. People would just kind of take a chance and come in. And it was really great. We had customers from the past, um, from the previous stores that would come in. But as far as like having the younger demographic that we have now, um, I really think we've been so fortunate to have people be incredibly loyal. We've had generations, um, grandmother, child, grandchild, you know, come mm -hmm. in. And um, also really social media. We were never allocated a large budget to advertise. So we've been really fortunate at people shouting out. We've been fortunate at people wanting to do news stories and interviews in the past. And then mm -hmm. social media has been everything because we're allowed to directly reach the people mm -hmm. we want to reach. Gotcha. So, yeah. As far as revitalization efforts from the city, I, I think that they are out there and they are, you know, doing what they're trying to do. Um, I think it's important not to forget, like, the communities that were here before mm -hmm. and, you know, to not push aside people experiencing homelessness. That's kind of what I see a lot. So yeah. I wish there were more programs, like, personally and more thought of to you know as far as the Fulton Mall goes there are thriving businesses there before the revitalization mm -hmm. so yeah I think about that but I am very very thankful there are people that take both of those things into consideration plus many others and are really out there doing the work mm -hmm. um, so that's really great and very much appreciated mm -hmm. yeah we work here every day we're here all the time even when we're not open I feel safe around this area I don't you know, I, we have interactions with people, we see people experiencing homelessness and, you know, it's, I do wish that the people that were not doing well mentally, there were programs in place to help with that, mm -hmm. because that would be really nice to see. But as far as beautifying the area, yes, there is trash on places. Perhaps a better trash solution would be wonderful. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but yeah, as far as like safety-wise and, and the community around here, it's I, I do feel safe. I do really love and appreciate the community. Um, it's a nice space to be in, from the people that are new to the people that have been here since we've been here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. That's a tough one. I wish I were more um, knowledgeable in, in the effect that revitalization can cause to communities that are already established. Mm -hmm. um, I suppose, especially you know, after seeing businesses that had been in operation for years, restaurants that had their rent increased um, pushed out, I think that could be a threat. So there should definitely be you know, incentives for people that have been around for generations or for decades, um, generational businesses, people mm -hmm. that have given to the community already that maybe don't necessarily fit into the plan of revitalization, but, you know, murals everywhere, lights, everything, you know, it's like, well, these people can be a part of it as well. These businesses can be a part of it as well. They need to be thought of maybe rent control, things like that could be good plans to put in. Um, city council meetings to make sure that people, if they want to have their voices heard, can be heard. Um, yeah, I just think it's really important just to listen to the people around.
what do you think just in general guys like you know the role of young people in revitalizing an area like fresno i think the most important thing for young people is if you can't stay in fresno i think definitely frequent the areas Mm -hmm. and i think that means more than just going to the park or just hanging out at like I don't know, like the Herndon Shopping Center or just going to Campus Point. I think mm-hmm. it means going to places like Art Hob, going to um, downtown, like participating in different parades and being part of the community in that sense. Downtown Fresno, I just feel like there's so much, like it's so vibrant and it it really houses a lot of um, like subcultures within mm-hmm. that little area like it's just pockets of like artists and musicians and people that have things to say people that have stayed in the area for a long time and we have events like art hop and like so many young people don't even know about it still 100%. because yeah because it's just in downtown but it's a place that not only it gets foot traffic it generates momentum for the area that people want to come there but it also empowers the local artists that are there yeah otherwise it's definitely like a catch-22 i feel like because it's like no one's interested in going therefore they don't mm-hmm. hold the events or they don't um kickstart these new things like if nobody has interest then nobody's gonna do it but then if nobody does anything nobody nobody's wanna gonna go yeah um so it's definitely getting involved in investing your time and your money back into a community that is trying its best you know there's a lot of disadvantages that this area has i think Mm -hmm. and it's overcoming them and becoming that new metropolis that everyone is seeking and i mean honestly like the interest frankly though the interest is just genuinely not there like the people that are old enough to do something about it they start these kinds of initiatives like we've seen before with fashion court and the high speed rail and then people get tired of it it's almost as if they start the initiative just not knowing what to do with it from there yeah because frankly we have really big fish to fry in this area there's a homeless problem Mm -hmm. um drug addiction runs rampant across these these parts of town there's crime and and i'm not saying that it's anyone's fault necessarily it's just you know there there are problems to be addressed and you kind of have to put priority on the things that you know Start at step one. Now, moving on to another sector of small business, tech. Tech plays a key role in development, whether that's expanding the city or providing businesses with a way to get access to IT tech solutions and grow their business. J. Colin Peterson, owner and CEO of JIT Outsource, is a small business owner that strives to use him and his team's expertise in technology to help local clients. From nonprofits, churches, dental offices, restaurants, and more, these are relationships that he has fostered over the years professionally and personally. And we'll get to dive deeper into a company that everyone knows about, um, but I mean, we've all heard of them, but we some people might not really know what they do. Uh, Bitwise Industries. Bitwise currently and has been playing a huge role in developing talent across the entire Central Valley. And with the combination of small businesses like JIT Outsource and bigger businesses locally, such as Bitwise Industries, um, the overall widely known objective of these kinds of companies is that they're trying to 
Upstart, Kickstart, Fresno's Future in Tech? Um, I've always asked myself, um, why are a lot of people moving to downtown San Francisco or LA? Um, I've always asked myself that. It's like, why a lot, a lot of my peers that I've seen from high school and now in college are moving to those places? Um, especially being in the, in the tech industry, I see a lot of people not looking or not having interest in working here in Fresno and more moving into like the Bay Area or downtown San Francisco. And so this motivated me to look into the tech side, tech side of, of downtown Fresno. And one of the most well-known is Bitwise. And Bitwise is just a technology solution provider, which focuses on moving technology, technology ecosystem forward in downtown Fresno by focusing on key areas such as education and development. And fortunately, I was able to have an interview with a software engineer who her name is Maria Espinosa, who is also a core member of the Bitwise group. And in this in this interview, I was able to, you know, have understand more of what Bitwise goals is for downtown Fresno. And based off what I was able to get from this interview, their main focus is more of creating bridges between humans from from poverty uh, communities and allowing them to gain the skills and resources to, to gain these opportunities, uh, most especially in the most innovating uh, field, which is the tech industry. But um, one thing that she, she mentioned was that due to the pandemic, they really had to cut down on many of their wonderful plants that, that were upcoming in 2021. But now that, now that Bitwise is seeing a lower decrease in this health issue, they're planning to reopen their doors with more social events and tech conferences. And something was pointed out that kind of shocked me was that that before before 2019, they had a tech conference where a lot of big tech companies came to Fresno, such as Google, um, a lot of like Yahoo, all these tech companies really came down here to Fresno. Now that Bitwise is getting more well known throughout throughout California. And so they believe that by hosting more tech conferences, especially with the funds they're getting, they think that more people that's going to gain more attraction to downtown Fresno. And that's their goal to gain more attraction so that more people want to come down and work um, here in downtown Fresno, um, more specifically in the tech industry and, you know, make make uh, Fresno well known for like their abilities in the tech industry, because they believe that. Many areas like San Francisco and Los Angeles, they have a lot of tech hubs and a lot of startups that are really well known, um, such as Facebook, you got Twitter. And, you know, that those are really big names and those, those catches names. And that's the reason why many people uh, want to move to those places. So Fresno, I didn't know also that Fresno also has a lot of really successful startups but unfortunately they they tend to move out into the bay areas and so and so having this interview it was great to see their plants because they're starting to reopen many opportunities such as classrooms and different teaching programs for uh, for software and so it's interesting how they're getting a lot of students uh, within these classes and teaching them about coding and all these stuff so they have a better idea of of what it is to be a software engineer and but there there's a lot of startups that are coming up here in fresno and so if people were to know about these startups more people would want to stay but due to the lack of you know 
knowing these stuff, it's really hard to know that, oh, there's this startup here that's coming up. Recently, they got a 50 million deal, which which is going to help, you know, them build more buildings uh, here in downtown Fresno. And one thing that I that that caught my attention during this interview was that before before Bitwise had this st startup that came out of Bitwise was a startup called Order Slip, and this started as started off as a small small project in Bitwise, and slowly started gaining attention. Now that now that Order Slip has gained more success, they've been able to help more small startups here in downtown Fresno. Um, and so it's wonderful, it's wonderful to see how, you know, startups um, start off really small and then gain really big. And they're staying here in Fresno and they've had a huge impact on especially small restaurants. They've allowed them to gain more, more popularity, more funds. And so they believe that by creating more classrooms and and buildings, they're gonna allow more pe more students to build more wonderful ideas that could potentially become really big startups. Like, in your view, how have you seen Bitwise, you know, bring back downtown Fresno back to life, you know? <laughs> um, well, their buildings definitely helps, I think, because now they're like, the buildings are always like super lively and fun. They host so many events. So not just tech events, but also like, for example, Art Hop. I don't know if you've heard of Art Hop in downtown. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Art Hop sometimes gets hosted in Bitwise South Stadium and just any kind of event really helps because it brings people downtown and they start realizing, wow, it's not as um i guess quiet as it used to be like when it was closed off but i think with bitwise like they're so with their fundraising they're also spreading the name of fresno and since bitwise is in downtown fresno like people have to come and visit and it's just putting downtown fresno on the map and letting it be known everywhere i think also contributes yeah. um so Based on what I've seen, as I've been at Bitwise for almost, or actually just completed four years now, and I started off also as part of these uh, training classes. Mm -hmm. So the students that take these uh, workforce training courses are primarily students who wouldn't otherwise have a chance to take tech classes to learn, you know, web development and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And as they go through, like for example, the apprenticeship program, which is that like paid internship for a couple of months or however long they last now uh, because of like they're coming usually from the school they tend to have families already here or they're kind of already settled here in the Fresno area okay. so I think most of them do stay in Fresno if not here in Bitwise at one of our other local like uh, I guess tech companies but Mostly in Bitwise, I feel like a majority do end up staying at Bitwise. Yeah, I think it's a very, now that it's here, I think it's a very important facet of downtown Fresno and Fresno culture. I think it opens a lot of opportunity to people who aren't even in tech. Just like the buildings themselves, they have art on them, you know? 
I think the reason why Bitwife is like a little bit confusing to people is the fact that they cover so many different realms mm-hmm. and whether or not it's like art or business, real estate, like tech, all of that. Um, they kind of just encourage everyone's involvement. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually yesterday, actually yesterday, um, I got to talk to um, Micah, who's a pro- like she's the director of project management. I just said, "Fuck it, let's have a conversation." And she told me that she never had an experience in tech, mm-hmm. and now she's literally like, or she started, and then she literally got to Bitwise and became a project manager for software engineers. Yeah. So yeah. she was just saying how like she felt like she had to just jump onto the tech bandwagon and know how to speak it immediately. But they told her, you don't need to speak tech. We're hiring you for your project management skills, your people skills. We can mm. teach you tech. Right. And so she really felt invited into the space. And she, you know, it's not such like a gate-kept community anymore. They all backgrounds. They, they provide classes, don't they? Like, don't they have like a thing with Fresno City College? Correct me if I'm wrong. It's been a while. Yeah. Since um, so recently they, they used to be called GeekWise. That's what it was. Yeah, mm-hmm. But now it's called a training station. I believe that's what they call it. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty much the same thing. But, you know, when they hire workers, if they don't know, you know, about tech, that's the area where they where they put them to learn. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. really it's really friendly. Um, but I was jumping off that. Um, one thing that I got from this interview was that the CEO from Bitwise um, recently got on a TED talk at San Francisco with like That's all cool. these be- big tech companies. Let me find that and yeah, I added. And that shows you know you know Bitwise is starting to get known. Um, mm-hmm. You know as a big really big startup company. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's inviting, and I think that's the that's the biggest part is that yeah. when you do any kind of like revitalization or adding starting up any kind of new initiative, like you don't want to push out any group. You want to mm-hmm. empower them, and you want to see how you can incorporate them and involve them mm-hmm. in the process. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's very easy for a lot of new construction projects or um, like shopping centers to just come in and completely just buy everything out mm-hmm. agreed and like bitwise is not just like tech like they they're they like have a lot of offices mm-hmm. like inside of their buildings which I, like the hive that was yeah. really cool yeah, like nice. just seeing all of those office buildings and like there's nothing really stopping anyone from mm-hmm. just renting out besides money but like from renting <laughs> out one of those spaces and just using it for whatever the hell you want to use it for like even like the hashtag like workspace like there are like booths and and rooms like we could be recording this podcast in there if we wanted to we could just rent it out or get like a day pass or whatever and there's like a cafe in there anyway yeah. i love that place initiatives like order slip like as far as I know, they have a lot of connections with local eateries, cafes, restaurants in town. So Order Slip is more primarily for, you know, downtown restaurants. And right. so Order Slip only, like, uh, provides these benefits for these restaurants. Okay. So, you know, like, like for instance, like DoorDash, um, yeah. they, they, don't, they don't benefit these restaurants. Right. Instead, you know, they rob more money. Yeah. But order slip is the other way around. They try to, you know, bring more traffic to them, but without, yeah. you know, charging them extremely high like these other yeah. products do. So that concludes our podcast episode for this week, probably for the rest of the year. Who knows if we'll ever revisit this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but we hope that you learned something and that I don't know. Yeah, we learned, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let you learn something and that you guys check out all of these local businesses and local organizations that we kind of highlighted. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot to see and do in Fresno. Um, and if you run out of ideas, the Fresno Bee is something that exists, and I'm always like hounding that website mm-hmm. all the time. So we hope you enjoyed. Happy holidays, happy finals to everyone. And I will talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs>